You see, one of the things that sets sandals apart is our desire to be real. Now, I don't think other churches have a vision of being fake with themselves, God, and others. I don't think that's other churches' vision. But we have an emphasis on authenticity that you may not find anywhere else. And that's because God called me to be real. Why? Because I wasn't real. I was fake. I played the church game. I can play the church game and I can beat you at the church game. I can. I know how to do it. I know what to say. I know how to pretend. And we don't want that here. Church is not a game. Churches save souls. And what we want to do here is we want to unleash the power of God that I believe can only be unleashed when we get real. Hey, thanks for listening to Sandals Church. I'm Morgan Terrell, the online campus supervisor at Sandals Church, and you're listening to a bonus podcast episode made to celebrate Giving Tuesday 2021. The last two years on Giving Tuesday, the Tuesday that follows Black Friday, our global community has come together to raise funds for launching Sandals Church campuses in new locations. The way we do this is we raise funds to refurbish and replant churches who are struggling and headed towards closing their doors. In 2019, we raised $50,000 to launch a Sandals Church in Azusa, California. In 2020, we raised $250,000 to launch a Sandals Church in Anaheim, California. And this year, we're going crazy. We're setting out to raise $500,000 to launch a Sandals Church campus in Northern California in the city of Santa Rosa. Why are we doing this? Because we've seen our church's vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others change people and communities all over the world. And we believe this vision belongs in a place like Northern California, a place that is super influential in our culture and a place that needs more vibrant local churches. So to celebrate this project and get our Sandals Church global family excited about this project, we've made this special episode for you, a collection of sermon highlights from 2010 where Pastor Matt Brown preaches on the vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others. You'll hear Pastor Matt speak a bit on each aspect of our vision, real with self, real with God, and real with others. These sermon throwbacks are 11 years old, and we think you'll experience two things. One, Pastor Matt has always been an out-of-the-box preacher. He's not only a talented Bible teacher, but he's an impressive and funny storyteller. The other thing you'll experience is that our vision hasn't changed. 11 years have passed since these sermons were recorded, and our goal and focus is the same, helping people become real with themselves, God, and others. So without further ado, here's Pastor Matt Brown and his sermon, Real With Self. You and I have to learn how to be personally authentic. The world and everything in it teaches us to be fake. For the world, it's all about presentation. The world is all about hypocrisy. If I want to be real, I've got to learn to always look at myself and you've got to always learn to look at yourself with honest eyes. Here's the problem with our eyes. Our eyes can see everybody else just fine. Our eyes work too well as we look at others. What we gotta learn to do though is we gotta learn to look at ourselves with honesty. Proverbs 19.1, this is a verse none of you believe. Look at this verse. It says it's better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. You know the Bible actually tells us to stop lying to ourselves. Isn't that incredible? Stop lying to ourselves. 
We lie to ourselves all the time. I do this all the time. Last night, Tammy and I went out on a date. And it's funny, we would have been married 16 years. It's funny how hard it is to find stuff to talk about. And so we said last night, we're not going to talk about our kids. We're not going to talk about church. We're not going to talk about work. We're not going to talk about other people. But we couldn't help it. We started talking about other people. (laughs) And so in the middle of us gossiping, I'm confessing, in the middle of us gossiping, I stopped and I said, what do you think people talk about us when they're alone? What do they say about us? Because the truth is, my closest friends and those we hang out with, they can see in me and Tammy's relationship a whole lot healthier than we can see ours. Because that's the problem with our eyeballs. We need to pull them out of our heads and look at ourselves. I mean, that might be painful. That's not an actual instruction. So if you're a little weird, don't write that down. It's a joke. But if we could, if we could take our eyeballs out and look at ourselves, what would we see? Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says, and why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye? Isn't it amazing how tiny of a thing we can see in our friend's eye? Ooh, you have something. He says, and why do you worry about a, friend, or a speck in your friend's eye when you have a what? A log in your own. How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. That's the opposite of being real with yourself, others and God. Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You are no good to yourself or anyone else unless you can see yourself authentically. Now this past week, man, we, we, we heard all kinds of preachers, man. And I had the worst attitudes. I'd go in there and I'd listen to these guys, man. And I'm just gonna confess, I had so much pride. This one guy in particular. You ever been to a church where they're shout? Like they have like one volume and it's 10. And the whole time, man, they just scream and scream and scream. And there's never any fluctuation in their voice. And they just scream and scream and scream. Let me tell you why preachers used to scream. Because we didn't have microphones. But they invented these, you know, like 100 years ago. But no one told the pastors. So they keep screaming. This guy's screaming and he's yelling and he's fired up. And I'm just sitting there. I'm so much better than this guy. This is ridiculous. Okay, I'm not proud of it, but that's what I was feeling. I was thinking, Sandals is so blessed. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just sitting there listening to this guy, and this guy's ranting, and he's raving, he's yelling, he's spitting it, just like all over. Everybody in the front row is just wet. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of his sermon, I start to hear God speak through him, and he's talking to me. And it's not good. (laughs) This pastor preached his whole sermon on honor, and he talked about how us as Americans, we have no idea what honor is. We don't understand how important it is to God, and we have completely lost this. He said, we don't understand Christian, or excuse me, kingdom principles because we live in a democracy. We don't understand what it means to hear orders and to obey orders. We don't understand that what Jesus Christ is talking about is a kingdom where he's in charge and we're not. And he talked about how important honor is. He talked about the fact that thou shalt honor thy mother and father is commanded before thou shalt not murder. That's how important honor is to God. It's not that murder is not important. You're not supposed to kill people if you're taking notes. But God wanted us to know that we need to honor our mother and father before he told us we're not supposed to kill people. And this is what God told me. God told me through this guy's mouth, Sandals Church has no idea how to honor me, you, or anyone else. I was like, preach it. (laughs) 
But then he kept speaking. And this is what the Lord said in an audible voice to me through this screaming pastor. <laughs> the reason Sandals Church doesn't know anything about honor is because you don't know anything about honor. And then the Holy Spirit got very personal. He said, you don't honor your wife. <laughs> I, I, and I try to defend myself. You know, which probably looked really weird for people sitting around me because I'm starting to talk to myself in the middle of the sermon. And I'm like, God, I'm a great husband. Look at all these guys. Look at these guys. Look at you guys. I'm awesome compared to you. Right? And I heard God say, you need to go home, get on your knees, and repent in front of your wife because you have not honored her. And Sandals Church will not learn how to honor until you do. So we're driving home from the sermon. You guys know my brother, he's a talker. My wife's a talker. They're talking in the car. Oh, that was amazing. That was an awesome message. And they're just going back and forth. And, you know, and then they're asking me, what'd you get out of it? What'd you get out of it? What did you get out of it? And I'm just sitting there driving. Oh my gosh. So we get home. It's about 1030 at night. We get home and Tammy says, what's wrong with you? I said, I need to talk to you in the bedroom. Yeah. She's like, what it? What did I do? I said, I need, I need to talk to you in the bedroom. Okay. It's all weird. We go in the bedroom. I said, I need you to sit on the bed. She says, okay. So she sits on the bed and I go like this. And she goes, what are you doing? And I go, this is not my idea. And I held her hands and I said, I need to ask for your forgiveness and repent of my sin of not honoring you. Will you please forgive me? She says, absolutely. But how are we gonna measure the progress that you make? <laughs> I love my wife, man. She is awesome, she is real. But you know what happened in that message? In that message, I assumed that it was my role to help this pastor understand that he's shouting. Yeah, you're loud. But sometimes the Holy Spirit has to shout to get our attention, doesn't he? And let me tell you something, man. I got, I, I, I got my lunch handed to me over and over again last week. And here I am, the person that's supposed to be the captain of the ship here, telling you guys to keep looking at yourself with honest eyes. And the Lord challenged me. And I had to ask for forgiveness from my wife on my knees. Why? Because my eyes point out just like yours do. If you're paying attention to the state of the church in America over the last couple years, you've seen it's been in a state of decline. Reports have shown for years that thousands of churches are closing their doors each and every year. In addition to that, there are so many young people choosing to leave the church. This is a major problem that needs to be addressed. 
Through the work of the Rogo Foundation and Sandals Church, we have been able to help hundreds of churches that have been struggling and we've helped them become healthy again. But over the last two Giving Tuesdays in 2019 and 2020, we were able to raise funds to adopt, revitalize, and relaunch churches that were on the road to closure. Today, these churches are thriving in the communities where they were originally planted. This year, we have the opportunity to adopt and revitalize a church in Santa Rosa, California. This year's goal is a half a million dollars and we need your help. If you would give a financial gift to support the work of the Rogo Foundation and Sandals Church, we will be able to connect with those that are hurting and broken in this community and invite them into learning what it looks like to become real with themselves, God, and others. Because when they do that, God can use them to change things in their community. Would you please give a gift to support this work today by visiting rogofoundation.com slash giving Tuesday. It might be interesting to some of you listening that Pastor Matt would start our vision with real with self. After all, we're a church, right? Isn't it all about God? Yes, but like Pastor Matt recently said in his book, a book called You, the question is, what is God all about? God is all about you. It's long been Pastor Matt's approach that in order to get real with God, we have to take an honest look at ourselves. At Sandals Church, we often talk about how easy it is to lie to ourselves. If we're not honest with ourselves, how are we supposed to be honest with God about the things we're struggling with and the things we need to repent of? The beauty of being honest with ourselves is that we can then be honest with God about the things that are actually going on inside of us. In this next clip, Pastor Matt talks about Christians that play the religious game. They come to church and play pretend, acting like everything is okay when it's not. Maybe the most helpful thing Pastor Matt says in the sermon is that God can handle us being real with Him. It's this type of encouragement that gave Sandals a reputation and connected with so many. The encouragement to know that no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, nothing is too bad or ugly for God to deal with. God can handle our mess when we're real. In addition to this sermon encouraging you, Pastor Matt has a couple crazy stories in here for illustration purposes, and we know you'll enjoy them. Here's Pastor Matt on being real with God. You see, there's a lot of us in here tonight that are running around telling people, oh yeah, I gave my life to Jesus and I've been healed. There's a lot of us running around, I gave my life to Jesus and everything's gone away. There's a lot of us in here who can see partially, but we have not been healed. And we are fake and we are playing the religious game, and the truth is tonight, what God wants us to do is be real. God can handle it. And when we get in church, man, there's pressure, man. There's pressure to pretend. I remember when I was in college, um, I, I just gave my life to the Lord, and, and some friends of mine went to a charismatic church, and at this church, they baptized people in the Holy Spirit, and, and for do- those of you who don't know what that is, it's just a different tradition within Christianity that believes that there's a secondary experience with the Holy Spirit after you get saved. That's not what we teach here at Sandals Church. There are tons of experiences, but you, we teach that you are baptized by the Holy Spirit when you get saved. That's just what we teach and believe here. It doesn't mean they're, they're wrong, we're right. We just, we just look at the same scripture slightly differently. So I went, I went forward to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, man, and the pastor called everybody forward, and there's like about 20 of us, man, and we get forward, and, and one by one, the pastor's going up, and he's laying hands on them. Boom, they're dropping. Boom, they're dropping. Boom, they're dropping. Boom, they're dropping. He's getting closer and closer to me, and I'm like, oh, Lord, God, please kill me. Just, just drop me, just drop me, just drop me. And he came up to me, and he's like, whoa, and he's saying all these things, and he's flinging my head back, and he's flinging my head back, and I'm like, God... 
show up, please. So then he like left me alone and he went to everybody else, you know, and he's just flinging everybody. And then guess what? I'm the last person standing on stage. And then like everybody's gathered around me trying to let me know it's okay, brother, it's okay. And they're like pulling on my shirt, pulling on my shirt. It's okay, it's okay. We're here, we're, we're gonna catch you, we're gonna catch you. And this guy's, he's like, you know, you know, and I'm like, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to drop and nothing happened. Nothing happened, man. It, it didn't happen for me. It, it, it didn't happen for me. And I'm not saying that what everyone did up there was fake, but I bet you some of them were. And you know why? Pressure. Pressure. Because we're afraid that God's got to show up and do the same thing every time. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God spits in our face and it works kind of. And what he wants us to do is be real about it. He wants to be real about it. Hey, listen, every time we pray over somebody with cancer, they don't all get well. Most of them die. Sometimes they get well. They get well. And it's amazing and it's a miracle. That's why they call them that. Okay? But let me tell you something. What I want you to do tonight is I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest about your encounter with God. Have you had a real encounter with God? Or are you faking it? Has he kind of touched your life? Or is it real? You see, real encounters with God inspire worship. Man, when Eddie was up here leading us and, and the whole worship team was leading us, some of you guys were engaged, you were singing, you were connecting, and some of you were not. Some of you were just had your arms crossed, your head down, you're looking around. And let me say this, if you're not a Christian, that's fine. I don't expect you to worship if you're not a Christian. But for those of you who call yourselves Christians and you tell people you've had an encounter with God and this is what we get during worship, I'm not sure you've had a real encounter with God. I want to encourage you guys sometime to do a Bible study on your own of Moses leading the people out of Egypt. Moses le leads the Israelites out of Egypt. For those of you who don't know your Bible, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Their women were raped, their children were killed, their husbands were worked to death. This was their life. The Bible said God heard their cries. He heard their misery. Once again, it's important that we shout loud. He heard them. Their cries, their sufferings reached heaven. And God sent Moses to redeem his people, to, to bring his people out, to lead his people out. But it's interesting. You study when Moses leads the people free. They all complain. They're all bitter. They all can't stand their life in the wilderness. And one by one, the people of Israel say this. Life was better when we lived with Pharaoh than under God. And there's only one person who never says that. His name was Moses. And this is why I believe he never wanted to go back. And by the way, he's the only guy that actually left something in Egypt. For those of you who don't know, Moses was in line to be king. He was in line to be Pharaoh. His brother ended up becoming Pharaoh. His grandfather was Pharaoh. He left riches, wealth, power, women, you name it. Moses left it all for God. And he's the only one who had never wanted to go back. Why? Because he had an encounter with God in a burning bush one day and it forever changed his life. Listen to me, guys. The reason you don't worship is you've never had a real encounter with God. Or if you've had one, it's been so far, long ago you forgot it. Real encounters with God inspire worship. Psalms 92.1. Listen to this. Let's read this out loud together. Psalms 92.1. Ready? Go. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. Listen to me. This is why we worship. We worship because worship is 
war for your souls. We worship as we commit war against the enemy for your souls. And when you don't sing and when you don't engage, we lose. Read the Old Testament. The battles that were the most successful is when Israel marched with worship. Now think about this. Think about this. If you're the enemies of the Lord, you're the enemies of the Lord, you're lining on the opposite side of the battlefield, and the Lord sends the singers and dancers first. I don't know about you, but if I was on the other side, standing there with my spear and my shield, and this comes, hello, hello. I mean, if this is what's coming towards me, what am I think is going to happen? We're going to kill these guys. We're going to wipe these guys out. The Lord sends the singers and the dancers, and guess what happens? He smashes his enemies. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord, and worship announces that. And that's why we need to sing when we come to church on Sunday nights. But we're not allowed to worship by ourselves. So many of you guys are like, well, I worship at home by myself and in my car. Well, show me that verse in the Bible. Worship yourself. Worship with yourself in your car, in your automobile, in your mode of transportation. It's not in there. The Bible says that we are to worship, listen to this, with each other. We're to worship with each other. Psalms 149.1 says this, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the what? The faithful. One of my favorite denominations in the United States is called the Assemblies of God. It's an awesome name for denomination. We assemble together. We gather together. Man, this last week, it was, I had an awesome opportunity to hang out with some Amish people. I'd never done that in my life. I was hanging out with some Amish people in Tennessee. I didn't even know there were Amish people in Tennessee. Went to this Amish community and it was awesome. These guys have completely rejected society. They've completely rejected anything to do with modern life and they have gathered together to be separate and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The Amish are Christians. And I asked him, I said, okay, so you guys live in community. You know, you, you don't do anything with the outside world. Have you guys just done away with the worship service? You know what he told me? His name was Danny. That was a little weird. I was expecting like Elijah or Moses or, you know, <laughs> Samuel, something like that. He, My name's Danny. Um, I was like, that's kind of weird. Um, but Danny said, no, no, no. He said, actually, my wife and my daughter are both preparing for worship as we speak on Sunday. It was Friday. You see, Danny understood, as the Amish people do, as you should, that we're not called to worship by ourselves. We're called to gather together and worship with one another. Listen to what Hebrews 10.24 says. It says, and let us be concerned about one another, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do. Do some Christians not worship together? Yeah. Guess what the Bible says? Don't be like them. Just because a Christian worships by themselves and doesn't go to church doesn't mean that's the model we are called to follow. The Bible says we're called to follow the Christians who meet together. So whether you meet at Harvest, you meet at the Grove, you meet at the Rock, you meet at Sandals, you meet at Crossroads Christian Fellowship, whatever church it is that you gather together, you gather together with your spiritual family because the Lord has asked you to. So we worship with each other and we worship be with our posture. What does your body language say about how you feel about God? Ladies, when you're talking to your boyfriend and he's listening like this, <laughs> what does that communicate? 
Let me tell you what he's saying in his mind. Please shut up. No, no, I'm not saying I feel that way. I'm just telling you what this means. And yet, guys, that's how some of you come in here and you worship. That's how you engage God. Your posture matters. You know there's a reason when we pray we bow our heads and close our eyes? There's a reason. Listen to what Psalm, excuse me, listen to what Hebrews 12, 28 says. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please the Lord God by worshiping with him with holy fear and awe. We bow our heads and we close our eyes out of respect for God. Now you guys call me Pastor Matt. In the past, they used to call pastors reverends. Do you know why they did that? It comes from the English word reverence, which means respect. And we've lost that in our culture. We don't understand anymore that God is serious. He's serious. I remember a couple years ago, I was surfing off Newport Beach, out at Newport Beach, and there was a couple guys from our church, and we had a hammerhead shark. This thing was 12 to 14 feet. It was massive. Swam right underneath me first, because the Lord loves to scare me first. <laughs> Swam underneath me first, man. I saw this thing, picked up my feet like that's going to do any good. Pick up my feet, you know. And uh, that was a great theory until Shark Week published these guys jumping out of the water. And it's like, uh, just eat me. Um, and so I picked up my feet and I screamed down the line, screamed down the line to all my friends. I'm like, big shark in the water. And I'll never forget my friend, Ken. He looks at me and he goes, just like this. He didn't look in the water. He went like this. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And he looks straight up at the sky. He's like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. You know why? Because he was terrified of the awesome, raw power of something stronger than himself. That's why we bow our heads. That's why we close our eyes when we worship God. Because let me tell you something. As scary as a 12 to 14 foot shark is when you're in the ocean, it is nothing compared to the one who made it. Genesis chapter 1 says God created two things. Only two times in Genesis chapter 1 is the word bara, which means to create out of nothing, is it used. It is used to describe us. God created human beings, and listen to this, and God created the monster in the deep with the teeth. Yeah. He wanted the Israelites to know, you see that shark? I made it. Made it. When Jesus Christ returns, he's going to call great whites. Come here. Come here. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. And that great white shark's going to be like, ah. You know why? Because a great white shark understands something greater than itself. And it knows its maker's voice when it calls. And then we stand in worship and we have the audacity to think that we could ever look God face to face. There's only one who can, church, and his name was Jesus. Praise God, Jesus stands in between us and God so that we can come to the throne of grace. What makes a vision at Sandals Church so unique is that it's actionable. You can do something with it, and it sets you on a trajectory for spiritual growth. What Pastor Matt brings to us in this last sermon throwback is the culmination of what happens when we get real with ourselves and our Creator. We then get real with each other. 
In this message, you'll hear Pastor Matt talk about the need for Christian friendship and Christian accountability. What's exciting is that what the vision of being real unlocks is endurance in relationships. If we can be real about what's going on in our lives, no matter how messy, and Christians are encouraged to bring that authenticity to others, then we can help each other stay faithful in our Christian walk when it gets hard. Here's Pastor Matt on being real with others. You see, when you really see Jesus, when you finally see Jesus, you will see a need for each other. You see, some of you are tonight, you're just here to hear, listen to me talk, or you're here to do church, or you're here to check it off, or some cute girl invited you. Let me tell you, when you finally see Jesus, you're no longer gonna be here just to hear me talk, but you're gonna be here to meet and connect with other Christians who will inspire you to live out your faith for Jesus. You guys, you don't understand this yet, but let me tell you this and let me be point blank. How many, let me ask a question. Let's start with a question then I'm gonna make a statement. How many of you guys would hope that next year, this time, next February, you are more committed to God and more connected to his church than you are today? Raise your hands. Now let me be honest with you. If you don't connect with people at this church, and if you are not in some kind of small group next year, this time, I doubt you even go to this church. You may not go to any church. I'm not all-knowing, and I can't see the future, but what I've seen over the past 15 years is those people who come to this church and connect in relationships stay. Those who come for the entertainment value, for the preaching value, for the worship value, they don't stay, they don't stick, and most of those people don't go to church anywhere else. Listen to me, your soul is at stake. Your eternal destiny is at stake. If you want to walk the narrow path that Christ has called you to walk, you are going to have to connect with people. So many of you guys, you think, oh, no, no, no. I can do it on my own. I could do it on my own. One of my favorite stories is the Apostle Peter when he's in the boat out on the Sea of Galilee. And it's stormy and it's windy and it's terrifying. And the disciples cannot get anywhere. And all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the water because he likes scaring people to death. <laughs> he's walking out on the water and the disciples think he's a ghost. But Peter has a moment of bravery. Peter has a moment of courage. And he calls out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if it's your will, call me and I will come to you. And Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat, take two, takes two steps, sinks. You know why that is? We're far more bold and create, courageous when we're together than we are on our own. If you read that story, nothing is different about the weather whatsoever between when Peter, gets, when Peter is in the boat and when he gets out of the boat. What changes is he's on his own. That's what changes. And some of you guys are like, oh, I just keep my eyes on Jesus. I'll just keep my eyes on Jesus. It won't work. You need a group of people around you to help you keep your eyes on Jesus. And some of you guys, thank you. One person's excited about that. Listen to me. Some of you guys tonight, man, you're my Facebook friends. And just know this. Don't become my Facebook friend if you don't want me looking at your Facebook page. Okay? Because some of you guys are my Facebook page and I look at yours and you're like, oh, and you know, and it's your middle finger that's up, not this one. You know, and you got your sandal shirt on. It's not that funny. Um, you know, and, and it breaks my heart. 
Because I know this about some of you. Some of you have no Christian friends that you're close with. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Even if you have good intentions, you eventually will go from the designated driver to the designated moron. It will happen. It will happen. The word of God is true every time. And some of you guys need to get Christian friends here, which is my first point tonight. Why do we need each other? We need each other for Christian friendship. Some of you guys came forward for prayer last week and you don't, your, your boyfriend is not a Christian. Your girlfriend is not a Christian. Your parents are not a Christian. Your roommates are not Christian. And you're all by yourself and you don't have anybody in your life, anybody whatsoever that you can talk to about the things that are going on in your life concerning God. Let me tell you something. That's not the way God wants you to live. You need Christian friends. You need people that will talk to you about what's going on with God. Look at Acts chapter two, verses 46 in your Bible. It says at the very beginning, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They gathered together in a large group. And don't ever let anybody tell you Sandals Church is too big. Okay, this first church in the book of Acts grew by 3,000 in one day. The temple can hold up to 100,000 people for prayer and worship. There's not a church in America that big. Okay? There's not a church in America. So when someone tells you that sandals is too big or harvest is too big, tell them lovingly, shut up. <laughs> okay? Because that, that's not biblical. The church was huge. You know how they maintained friendships and relationships in a church that large? They met in each other's what? Homes. They celebrated the Lord's Supper together and shared meals together with great joy and generosity. They liked hanging out and having fun. It's okay to be Christian and have fun. It's okay to have fun in life. You don't have to be, you know, Debbie Downer the Christian, okay? You don't have to be this person. Let me tell you something, man. My Christian friends are the most fun people I know. The other night, some friends and I, we went out to dinner together and we shut the place down. They were literally pulling mattresses off the, the outdoor patio furniture and I was like, oh, that's our clue, huh? And the waiter's like, yeah, go. I'm like, we can't go. It's just getting started, man. <laughs> you need to join us. As soon as you get off work, get over here. We're gonna have fun. And none of us were drunk. Go figure. I know, you're bummed, I know. I'm not gonna party with you. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus said, John 15, 13 through 15. Go to the second verse, second sentence. It says, I no longer call you slaves. That's nice, right? Slave, right. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. He says, now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father's told me. Listen to what Jesus says. You're my friends because I've told you what I've heard from God in my prayer time. I've told you everything about what God has told me. How many of you guys have a friend in your life that you can tell tonight whatever God says to you? Not most of you. Some of you can't even tell your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're dating and you came here with tonight whatever God tells you because he might tell you to break up. You're like, oh, that wasn't God, it was gas. <laughs> that was so not the Holy Spirit. Listen, the next thing that we need each other for is, is for spiritual encouragement. Guys, we need to encourage each other, man. You know, being a Christian's not always easy. Sometimes it's hard. I mean, sometimes it's hard to do the right thing. That's why I love this show, The Walking Dead, because I, I feel like that's my life sometimes. 
I'm trying to be a moral person with a bunch of zombies running around. That's why I love that show. It's like my life. And we got everybody else telling us, you know, eat, drink, be happy, do whatever you want because life's short. Then you got the people, like the good Sheriff Rick, my favorite man in the world. For those of you who don't watch The Walking Dead, you don't love Jesus. It's a great show. It's kind of gross, but it's a great show. But sometimes that's what the Christian faith feels like. And we feel like, you know, sometimes we just feel like, well, let's just give up and let's just live like everybody else. And you need people in your life that encourage you to keep going. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Rome. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. You need people in your life that you encourage and people, you need people in your life that you encourage. It's gotta go both ways. Because sometimes, at some point in your life, you're gonna get discouraged, you're wanna gonna give up, you're want, gonna wanna give in, and I'm here to tell you, don't do it, your soul's at stake. Don't do it. Don't give up, don't walk away, don't give in. Keep pressing on, keep pushing, keep trusting, keep believing. The Bible says, you gotta believe that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. You gotta keep pushing on that, pressing on that, This vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others started in a small living room in a small house in Riverside, California back in 1997. In 2021, that vision has turned into a movement that birthed 12 different Sandals Church campuses in Southern California and Fresno, launched Sandals Church Anywhere communities all around our nation, and built a global following online. We think this vision will reach the next generation, which is why we are so excited about the opportunity to launch a Sandals Church campus in Northern California in the city of Santa Rosa. We have a high goal. It's a bit of a crazy one, honestly, raising $500,000 to fund the launch of a Sandals Church campus in Santa Rosa, California, debt-free. But we have seen God move in powerful ways at Sandals Church, and we believe God is going to use the vision of being real to reach communities in Northern California, a part of our nation that desperately needs more vibrant churches. As we close, we want to invite you to consider joining in on our Giving Tuesday project to launch Sandals Church Santa Rosa. Together, we believe we can do something remarkable. Here's Pastor Matt with more on Giving Tuesday and Sandals Church Santa Rosa. So this week at Sandals Church is Giving Tuesday, and this is where we ask you, uh, whether you're a part of Sandals Church or you just love us and are praying for us, to join us in our mission to plant churches. This is the heart of God. Jesus is the savior of the world, but listen to me, the church is the hope of the world. We can't connect people to God if we can't connect them to his church. And so let me just say, this last weekend, I got to spend my Sunday at the last two churches that you raise money for for Giving Tuesday. So two years ago, it was Azusa, and last year it was Anaheim. And I just have to tell you, for those of you who gave, man, it was so amazing to be with people who have been blessed because you gave. I'm sitting in those buildings that were uh, falling apart and almost abandoned, and now there's a local church connected together. At our Azusa campus last week, I got to meet the mayor pro temp of the city of Azusa, who is worshiping at the church you helped us start. So think about what God's going to do in Santa Rosa. Think about this community that is ripe for the gospel. There are not many churches there. We already have the building. We already have the people. It is a debt-free property. 
But what we need to do is raise some funds to upgrade the facility, to hire our pastors, to plant them in that city, to minister to those people. And you can be a part of that. So here's the big ask. We're trying to raise a half a million dollars. And you say, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. Man, that won't buy you a condo in Santa Rosa. Okay, so that's the amount of money that we're trying to raise to start a church, to refurbish an entire campus. Think about it, worship center, Sunday schools, excuse me, classroom space, uh, places for people to connect, places for people to park, places for people to come. So I think that we are very, very frugal with the money that you give and we do the most that we can with it. So help us this Giving Tuesday to raise a half a million dollars. And it doesn't matter if you're given thousands or you're given tens or you're given a dollar. We all wanna be a part of this. God doesn't call us to do more than we can. He gives us this money to bless others. And remember, Jesus said, it's better to give than it is to receive. And this is our opportunity to share in that blessing as Christians and say, I'm gonna bless a church I may never go to. I may never be a part of, but I know that town needs Jesus. And so I'm going to give a portion of the money that Jesus has blessed me with to bless that town with a church called Sandals, where there's a place where people can be real with themselves, real with each other. And this is most important to become real with God. So join us this Tuesday to raise half a million dollars to start Sandals Church Santa Rosa.